Sunday. So tell you what, say hi to a person next to you real quick. Give them a compliment. Tell them something nice about themselves. Like right now. Wow. This is the least energetic group ever. Um, I can see you all worshiping over there. You're like, okay, I'm going to build my life. I get it. <laughs> Let's just move on to building, okay? We're, we're done with this part. As Brad said, uh, although he did mislead you a little bit, um, we're going to have some audience participation where I'm going to ask you, or you guys are going to have the opportunity to ask me some questions, any questions. It can be about, it doesn't have to be about anything, uh, I- anything uh, church-related even. If you just want to know something or you want to know, a lot of times when I meet with people, they'll say, uh, you know, hey, as a pastor, let me ask you this. And they just, some questions that they want to know. So in an unprecedented way today, you get to ask questions. So instead of paying attention to what we're actually talking about, you can just think of your questions. Um, but we are going to do some of that, and then uh, April and Brad will help us with some microphones, and we'll talk about it a little bit, uh, little bit today. Aren't you guys always tired at this time change? I mean, I know you're already thinking in your minds, you're already taking a nap on the couch watching football, uh, because that's where we are. We have so many people, we had a few people that come, came, they thought they were being 30 minutes early for their service, but they were actually right on time for our first service this morning, so we had more people that came to that. But I'm glad you guys are here and uh, just participating in this as well. Uh, we're in this thing, in the study called Thessalonians, where we're, we're just looking at, at the Bible and looking at this relationship that Paul mostly has with this church um, in Thessalonica. And what we talked about last week in Thessalonians chapter 2 is uh, Paul talks a lot about the power of affirmation, or we see a lot of the power of affirmation, where he is affirming this church and saying, you guys are doing a good job, uh, things are going well. Um, and it was nice for them to hear uh, compliments about themselves. There's something powerful about people saying, hey, you know, this is going well. well I noticed this in you. Uh, affir- affirmation is something that we, that we tend to not do as much as we should. Uh, in life, we're sort, of, we're sort of taught to focus on the negative, to focus on what's bad rather than, you know, what's good. And even when life maybe seems a little bad or a little tough, when you step back from it just a couple of steps, you realize that usually there's a lot more good going on than bad. Do you find that is true as well? But we've been taught, focus on the negative, focus on what's bad. And when we step back a bit, maybe we are affirmed that, hey, there's a big, there's a big picture here. God is working in big things. We live at a time where we understand this next statement, that we live in a world where the power of information is prevalent. Uh, we live our lives, we define our lives by the information that is available to us. Uh, we, we are constantly searching or looking, and a lot of times that impacts the way that we live. We live our lives based on what we know, whether we agree with something or disagree with something or, or we're sharing, well, I'm doing this because of this and because of that. We live in this world where we are consumed by information, and we've realized that information has incredible power. In the old days, it was whoever had the, the mightiest army or whoever could travel the furthest. But we've realized today, here and now, those people that control information are the ones that have the most power. And maybe a question for each of our lives is, what do you most want to know? If, if, if that was a blank question about life, not just about this context, if I said, what are the things that you really want to know, we would have answers for those things. We would say, I really want to know this, or I really want to know this. Uh, we, we, we base our lives on those pieces of information that we most want to know. So now what I'm going to do, okay, I'm going to have the house lights come up a little bit. This is the audience participation portion. We're going to do this 
twice today. Voluntarily, you don't have to do it. And I know some of you are like, oh, I was just getting into that nap. Now you're, you're waking me up again. I, I see some of you there. But um, what are questions that you have for your pastor? Like, uh, if I just offer you the opportunity, you can ask, I'll answer whatever question you ask. And there, somebody asked us in the first, after the first service, said, did you plan people to ask questions? I said, no, we, we don't know what questions people are going to ask. So if you want to raise your hand, you have to raise a little higher because April's a little shorter. But if you want to ask a question, um, you know, we'll, we'll move around the room and you can ask your question. Bernie, ask it. Are we in tribulations? And if we are, are we at the beginning, middle, and over? Yeah, starting off really good. Um, so, uh, yes. Okay, next. No, okay. <laughs> I think if you read if you read the Bible, especially if you read the New Testament, um, especially if you read some of these other things, I think we spend a lot of time focusing on what part we're at. Um, whereas the call of even when you read the Book of Revelation and other things has always been the last days. We've always been in the, the tough times. I think what we do is when we look at the world, we want an answer for um, how bad is it. Uh, I think people that were living through World War II, if you look at that and go, yeah, that's not last days, I think you're just misguided. The problem is I think some of the calculating that we've done in churches, we've turned church into a very knowledge-based environment, so we count everything. It's going to be here and it's going to be this, which I don't actually think is, is as true as we, we have made it to be. Uh, in some sense, we've always lived in the last days. From the moment sin entered the world, it's, it's kind of been over in the story of redemption. I think, I think a more powerful question to ask is, how am I living my life? Because even Paul talks about persecution with the Thessalonian churches. Which side am I on? It's less about understanding exactly how things will happen. Am I on God's side or am I on the side of the world? Um, but in some sense, I think we, we should always be living. The, the New Testament writers encourage us, live like this is the last days. Live like, and for me, I mean, how many years I got left? These are my last days. I'm, I've got more, uh, you know, I've got more past than future. Uh, most of, a lot of us in this room might feel that way, or maybe we don't. Um, but I don't plan on living until I'm 90 years old. I don't think it'll happen. Um, so just seeing that as, hey, how am I living my life? How does it matter in the midst of where I'm at? Um, I think that's a more valuable question. Uh, yes, we're always in. We're, we've always been in that. I mean, the only time we weren't, I think, was Genesis, you know, 1 and 2. By chapter 3, it's over, <laughs> you know. So, uh, yeah, interesting. We, we've been there a lot. What else? Other questions? Come on, there's got to be some good questions. Back there. Oh, I feel a big one coming. And then Scott will come in. Hey, uh, April, Scott's got a question here in a second. So you can uh, – April was the wrong person to ask to look out over the audience here. So. Yeah. Go ahead. In our Bible study class the other night, the session was at Belden. Okay. When David and Bathsheba committed adultery, mm -hmm. God's punishment was to kill 75 people, innocent people. Okay. And that's not punishing David, but it's terrible. Why? Yeah, that's a, uh, that, that is a, is a great question. First of all, the David and Bathsheba, great story, if you haven't read it recently. Uh, really, really a, a brilliant story uh, about, about our, our following God. So if you remember correctly, there are three punishments that happen 
uh, with David. The first one is the child that's conceived with David and Bathsheba will die. David never will get to build the temple. So his son Solomon will do that. Actually, just not really. It's the last son that he has will do it. And the third one is, is that fighting will never, will never cease from his house. He will always be a man of the sword. And they said there will always be division in your house. And obviously we know Solomon becomes king. He divides the kingdom between Jeroboam and Rehoboam. And the kingdom is never the same after that. Uh, sometimes what I think we don't realize is that our sin has consequences for others. Uh, decisions that we make can have consequences for others. Now we, uh, I mean, with our families, um, I am a dad in my family. I'm a spouse to my wife. But if I make a bad decision, it doesn't just affect me. It affects others. And uh, sometimes, yeah, sometimes those stories are just bad stories. It's like, yeah, you made a bad decision that led you down a bad road, and it cost many, many people their lives. Um, I think the, 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 the killing of innocence is something that we see far too many times throughout the Bible. Um, so my best answer to that is I'm not God. I don't, I don't actually know. I think the lesson is be careful what you choose because it might affect other people. You, you need to you need to do right, Scott. You want to do? I just uh, I've always asked God to put people across my path, and this week it happened. It just and in the moment I felt like I failed God because I didn't have the answers or I didn't feel like I was there for this person. This person really needed somebody, and I stayed quiet. And maybe my purpose was just to be there and listen to him. But in my mind and my heart, I feel like I failed. And my question is, when we ask God to put people across our path, how do we, how do we embrace that better? Yeah, so I think when we ask God to do things, he's amazingly faithful in actually doing what we ask him to do. I think one of the mistakes that we've made in faith is that we think faith is about answers, and it's not. Uh, yes, there are some answers in faith. But faith is more about relationship, and it's more about engaging things. Uh, I love the passages of Scripture. They never tell us to be perfect. They only tell us to be holy. Now, they never say, now you're on, you're on a clock, and you better get every answer right in every time in every moment, because the beauty about God, listen, I think we miss, I, I think when we get to our eternal destination, we're going to watch the video of our lives, you know, and we're going to be like, wow, I totally missed that. Did you see God there? Missed that, missed that, missed that. And, and I think the stuff that we see is minute compared to what we could see. Uh, faith is not about perfection. It's about direction. It's about not being perfect. It is about doing our best in those moments. Listen, I've counseled people that I've had a call later and say, wow, that was bad counsel. I don't know why I said that. I shouldn't have said that. Or a joke that I make or a sarcastic comment of which I make many. And sometimes I have to go and say, hey, I didn't, I, I love you. I, sarcasm is like my love language. If I'm nice to you, I really hate you. Um, if I say something really terrible, I'm your person, you know. Um, that's, kind of, that's kind of part of it. But I think that sometimes we ask God to do things, but we're not God again. We, we no matter what, sometimes no matter what you do, just being there, just showing up uh, means more often than that. What's the old saying? People will, will never remember what you said, but they'll remember how it made them feel if they felt listened to. It's not always about, okay, here's the five-point plan to fix your life. And I think sometimes we've done that badly in churches. Um, so just being there is, is valuable. One more, one more, two more. This, this room's been light. This side of the room's been light. Any questions, big questions? Oh, here we go. Wait for a microphone. Okay, James, who comes to church very rarely, but uh, is here today. Thanks for being here. Um, what is your question, James? 
Well, see, I have, it's more confusing and hard I to say that. <laughs> so in Daniel, I was, I was reading in Daniel, they said there was three archangels. Yeah. Okay? But in Revelation, they said there was seven. Mm-hmm. But when I, was, when I was a kid, I thought there was 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, is there a question here? Yeah. So do we know how many archangels there actually was? Answer, no, nobody knows, right? No, we know Michael, we know Gabriel. They're both called archangels at different times. Um, but then we don't, uh, there, you know, there's thousands upon thousands upon thousands. The word angel just means messenger, and sometimes those are just the heralds that speak to that. Um, we don't really know. When it comes to heavenly things, it's like people read Revelation and they think, we understand. I'm like, yeah, you really don't. We, we, I mean, I mean we, we really don't get it. We don't really see it. Um, I think these are the ones that we've experienced. I think the Bible is a collection of about this much of what's happened in a big story. Um, and angels are usually called out because of their role. So it's not just like God showing off, hey, these are all the angels. It's usually like, hey, this is a message that I want you to send. This is that. There's, uh, uh, so it's, it is a bit confusing. Uh, I would always round up to the highest number. So however many stories you see, you know, that's what we know. But um, I don't think we fully understand how the whole hierarchy in heaven works. Um, I don't know. That's probably not a great answer. But one more question. Come on. Who's going to ask? Oh. Crickets, crickets. You know, um, it's not my fault that I'm just awesome at everything I do. Okay? And if you want me to step aside so that mediocrity can win, I'll do that. I'll happily do that. No, um, you know, I will not answer because, yeah, I'll obviously win a second time. So we don't want to do that. But uh, we want people to feel valuable and all that kind of stuff. So, I don't know. Brad hasn't organized a chili cook-off, I think, because he was kind of sour grapes about how the Well, I, I won one, too, before yeah. you came. Yeah. That was before I was here. So. <laughs> Those days are over now. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, let's, let's uh, you want one more question? Okay, one more question. Last question. Quickly. I want to know your opinion of how Dr. Fauci has handled the pandemic. Yeah. Okay. Let's pray. Um, I, uh. I have a belief system that I think most people, most people are generally good and generally trying really hard. I think sometimes we've been taught that people are inherently evil or trying to do bad things. I think sometimes uh, when you're a leader in the spotlight, um, I think that looking back, if you asked him that question, I think he would say, there's some things that I wish I'd done really differently. There's things that I wish I hadn't communicated. I wish we, we, we were making, and sometimes we were making the best decisions possible. I do not know that man's heart. I'm not in relationship. I've heard good and bad about him. Um, I believe that people, generally speaking, most people um, are trying hard to do their best. But I think that it's very obvious that sometimes we lose our way. Even in the midst of the pandemic, instead of talking about him, I'll talk about me. There are some decisions that I regret making. Not because I had a bad heart or because I was trying to push the blame, but because I just didn't know some things. Or made decisions that were like, hey, really shouldn't have done that. If I could go back now, uh, I would do some things differently. Um, so I I'm a person that gives people the benefit of the doubt. And in that situation, if I feel really negative or critique maybe we need to be prayerful for those people and hope that they are doing things from an honest place of integrity. Um, I don't know if you know anything about government. They always do things from that place of honesty and integrity. Um, but our response, as Paul says, we should pray for them.
Um, so I believe God is sovereign. And I believe the kingdom far outweighs the empire. And I think God is in control, not some director of some industry. And uh, that's, where, that's where I stand on that. So, uh, let's, but, but there's value in sharing, guys. Listen, when we talk about these things, there's value. There's a lot of value in the midst of these things. And we should talk about these things. I want to read a passage here that, that Paul writes to the Thessalonian churches. Look, I know it says Paul and Silas and Timothy write this book, but it's probably mostly Paul, and he just you know, puts the other guys' names on there to make them feel good. But listen to what he says here, because there is value in the midst of this. He says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, this is chapter 3, verse 7 onwards. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live. Now, we're going to come back to this. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you? Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and everyone else just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus Christ comes with all the holy ones. It's an incredibly encouraging word. Uh, One of the things that I try to do whenever I preach is I try to inspire people. I grew up in a church that was uh, very guilt-ridden. I think we all did. You know, like, if you don't do these things, you know, you're, you're just going to the bad place. And I believe from my core that we should give people more affirmation about, hey, I know you're struggling with a few things, but see the big things that you're doing. That there is inspiration of others that we experience as a church. That we, our design is to inspire each other to live this out. That's why coming to church is so important. Being together, starting our week right, making sure that God is in his rightful place, it'll change the way that we live during the week. You see, our lives are meant to share the presence of God with others. That doesn't mean that we're always talking. In fact, 99% of the times it means we're not. That we're just living out our faith in a positive, great environment. That when people look at us, they say, now why did you respond like that? Because I responded this way. That's what the world told me to do. So, you know, why, why did you respond? to? How come you're so calm when, when it seems like things are falling apart? And that's a great opportunity for people to share the gospel with each other, to share the presence of God. And some people in this room, listen, a book never didn't lead anybody to Christianity. It was a person. Just think about that. In your life, there's very, very few people that basically say, I was reading the Bible and I decided that I need to have faith. Usually there was another person involved that led them to faith. Maybe it was your parents, maybe a spouse, maybe friends, whatever it might have been. Somebody lived out the presence of God in their life and it affected you and you made that decision for yourself. That's why Paul says in this, we really live because of you. We know that you're doing well in your life and you're living out your faith. And we're really living. I love the way that he says that. It's not just we're alive, we're surviving. We're living because you are an inspiration to us. What Paul's talking about here is the power of community. Being, doing things together, doing things for each other uh, is powerful and meaningful. It does something to us. So I'm going to bring up the lights one more time and give you an opportunity 
uh, who is somebody that has made an impact on your life? Maybe somebody that's in this room, maybe somebody in your life. I'm going to have uh, Brad and, and April kind of come around again. It doesn't have to be long. But, but if you had to say, hey, somebody, somebody had an effect on my life in a positive way, Maybe it was through something that they did or something that they were engaged in. Who affected your life positively by something that they did? Who'd like to share something? Okay, that one back there. Okay, this side, B team. You need to, you need to, need to kind of get going there. Yes, ma'am. My uh, great-grandmother on my dad's side, um, she went to Pentecostal Holiness Church and from a very early age, she just loved all of her whole entire family. I mean, she just, she showed us the way, and she didn't ever drive a car. And so when I would go stay with her, which I love to, and I, I just cherish some letters that I have from her, because she only had like a sixth grade education. But she still wrote letters, regardless of the spelling and everything. But she took we would walk to church we would start walking luckily it was a small town thank goodness because it didn't matter if it was 95 degrees or 20 degrees we would start out walking but somebody would always pick us up and then when we got there somebody would always bring us home but my great-grandmother yeah who was over here so I'm going to say it's pretty much the staff at Journey. Just being here the last three years, I'm not the same person as who I was when I first came here. And I think a lot of that is because we do have a lot of, um, we laugh a lot, but Journey Church is truthful. And so sometimes we think the truth hurts at first, but when you go through and reevaluate it, it's like, oh, wow, I really am like this. And so it's hard to hear at first, but in the reality is, is, I'm a better wife, I'm a better mother, I'm a better person, I'm a better friend. And so, and I know I'm a better employee because of Journey Church. Which reminds me, I got some words for you this week. Um, a couple more things. What else? Who, who else has impacted you? Down here? Hannah, you too? Um, I would say Jeannie. She really, like, been there for me in the last couple years and she's really just taken me in and like Crystal was saying given me some hard truths that I didn't always want to hear but I needed to and um, I feel like even if I just look at the person I was a year ago to now it's been a lot of growth and she's still helping me to learn how to be you know a wife I knew that she's helping me and I know I can always trust her and she's going to give it in a loving way. How's that going by the way? Pretty good for you? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Hasn't run yet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ricky, you look like you want to say something. Come on. Um, I don't just have a one person. Oh, one of these. <laughs> <laughs> I love everybody. Oh, I don't love everybody. <laughs> Anyways, I feel like uh, I've been pretty blessed to have great friends in my life who have all made an impact in different ways. Um, I feel like most of the people that have been in my life stay there in one way or another. Um, I just feel like when you have a good, good people surrounding you, they can all have impact in little ways. And some are just like what goes wrong, which is not good, you know. And 
some are there to build you up, and some are there to help you through past events. I just, I feel like I've really been blessed to be here in that way. And Sheldon, he's made the biggest impact. I just love him so much. <laughs> that was not, that was. First that of all, I love his chili because I like beans and chili, so boom. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of sore losers in this place. Um, so we want to kind of talk a little bit about, you know, we, we learn about the power of information. Um, this, this is what I want to tell you. Why do we always wait until after people are gone to tell them what they've meant to us? I, I've heard people in funerals or in funeral services uh, talk about somebody and say, this is, this is who this person was to me but yet never told them that. And I want to encourage you, the people that have impacted your life, tell them. Uh, Haley and I have had a long, uh, a long uh, uh, conversations over the years. And she said, what do you most want from ministry? And I said, well, first of all, a lot of money. <laughs> uh, secondly, is a huge church. No, I'm just kidding. I, I really don't care about those things. What I, what I truly want, what my heart most seeks, is that, when I get to the end of my journey, that people will say, your life changed mine. And not always in significant ways. But hey, you being in my circle changed, changed some things in me. And that's what the church is supposed to be. You know, sometimes I think we, we wait for, or we spend our whole lives, and maybe we never hear. I wish some people could hear the words that other people say about them at their funerals. Because I don't always know that those people said it to that person. Hey, you're a great parent. You're a great spouse. You're an incredible child. I'm proud of you. Your life has mattered to my life. Because we do live based on what we know. And sometimes we need to share that information with each other. Sometimes somebody needs to tell you, hey, when you come to church and you're here and you're smiling and laughing or you make a, a kind of a, you insult me on a Sunday morning, I love that. It makes me feel like, hey, I'm part of something. We get each other. We love each other. We're, we're in this for the long haul. And maybe that's part of what we need to learn is that we really live not just because of God but because of each other. That you fuel me and I fuel you and hopefully that is a relationship together. And being committed to something, yes, we don't always want to be here, especially on time change Sundays. It's really hard for us to do that. It's so easy now. It's kind of a mixed bag because we have this really good stream online. And so it's easy to just be like, okay, do we want to go today? Do we not want to go today? But I want to tell you something. It matters when you're here. I love seeing your faces. I love knowing that you're here. We know when you're not here. We talk about you at staff meetings. And let me tell you, it's not pretty. So if you don't want to be talked about that way, you need to come. You need to be here. Okay, you need to punch that card. But you guys matter to us. When we know that we mean something to you, it changes the way that we live. Sometimes we, you know, church kind of washes off us before we even hit the parking lot. But if somebody came up to you today and said, hey, your life matters to me, with that information, you would live your life. And that's kind of the calling of Thessalonians right here. Is that Paul is saying to them, your life matters. It's mattered to me personally. And Paul has every reason to have everything in his life, but he says, what you've done has made a difference. So make sure to tell people that. Make sure to share with people. Now, it's been seven years, and you got questions. I'm really shocked that those were the questions you wasted on. Bernie, terrible question, honestly. I mean, you could have asked anything, and you chose that. I mean, whatever. 
Um, no, I'm just kidding. I love you. Kumbaya, blah, blah, blah. So, um, but we, we're going to have some people up here today. To, uh, uh, here On Wednesday, we had our revive evening. We've got some people that are going to be here uh, to pray, be available to pray with you. Um, and maybe, maybe your life hasn't gone down a good road. Maybe you're in a bad place. Maybe, maybe there's just some struggles. It's okay to lay that down here. It's okay for us to be honest with ourselves. I love, I love what you said, you know, Crystal. Journey is a place where you can be yourself. We're not putting on airs. We're not pretending. This is who we are, for good or for bad. And I think, uh, Jeff, are you guys praying today? Uh, some of the others, yeah, if you guys want to make your way down, I don't know, and April, you're on this side as well. But, you know, we always want to give people an opportunity to pray, to lay things down. Um, maybe to just share whatever's, in, whatever's on your heart. Um, don't be afraid to... Don't be afraid to step out in faith and say, hey, we need some prayers right now. Heidi, Dustin, you guys need to be down here because you had surgery this week and we need to pray over you. So just get up right now and make your way down because uh, we know you're going to come down today anyway. Um, but other people, may- maybe, you've, you know, maybe you just need something today. So don't be afraid to do that. This is a, this is a safe place. And Father, we just thank you today. Thank you that you, 